Welcome to the Alternate Shot Golf Podcast. We are the San Francisco Golf Collective. This is episode number five. My name is Greg Moraz. I am alongside Mike Finn and Andy Smothers. Gentlemen, we are here to talk about the Olympics because as of eight years ago, the Olympics are now a part of golf. Or golf is now part of the Olympics. I completely got that backwards. But gentlemen, in the Olympiad of 2020 slash 2021, we now have Olympic golf to talk about. And when I say eight years, I mean the decision to put golf into the Olympics because the first Olympic golf tournament was in 2016, not in 2012. And I'll say this, this year's Olympic golf tournament was... Absolutely spectacular. And, and gentlemen, I'll throw it to you first off. What does it mean to have golf as a part of the Olympics, considering that there are sports, baseball being one of them, that have been inserted and taken out of the Olympics in various points over time? Golf was never a part of it. So for golf to be a part of the Olympics, I think, is pretty darn special. And unlike a few sports that have somewhat crashed and burned, in the Summer and Winter Olympics, respectively, I feel like Olympic golf has been an absolute boom since it was inserted prior to the 2016 Olympics. Yeah, I mean, it's just good to see it on the world stage where, um, you know, you've got maybe people that we don't see quite often on, you know, the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour. Um, I know the qualification system can be probably... A sen- not a sensitive subject, but, you know, it's something that people maybe have a gripe with that we don't have all the top players in the world like you do in other sports. Um, but I think it's just really cool to see, you know, like at least for the women's side, um, you know, you had the Indian golfer coming out of nowhere or not out of nowhere. She's ranked 200, but you just I get exposed to people that really maybe you don't see quite as often. And that's what the beauty of the Olympics is. Um, so, yeah, it was, I, I, I had a blast watching both tournaments. I was glued for the men's tournament, man. I just love the global nature of the games itself. Um, and to see global representation in golf, to see it finally come back to the world stage is huge. I know um, initially, I think in like 1900, 1904, there were um, Olympic uh, golf uh, events, but then it just stopped. And it is kind of shocking to think that, you know, this is a sport that is kind of played worldwide and it took that long to come back. So, you know, kudos. I'm happy to see it back, man. It, it was awesome. The men's tournament, it, it was so exciting. It didn't end at like one in the morning and I was really tired. I was like, oh, I'll just record it, you know, at like eight o'clock. I'll, I'll, I'll wake up. I, I was glued. I, I watched the whole thing. I was like one in the morning. I fell asleep. So happy, man. It was so awesome to see Xander. And I, you know, I was this Friday night. I was glued to the TV watching the women's event. Um, her name, Aditi uh, Ashok uh, is the woman from India who uh, she doesn't hit the ball. I think she's the shortest hitter in the field. Um, her putting was lights out, but she was in contention for a medal the entire time. And, you know, they were mentioning just, you know, from India, people were tweeting about, um, how they don't even know the rules of golf in India and the number of people that are going to start playing golf as a result, um, of her finish and just the exposure that they've got. It's like, that's what the Olympics is about, right? There were only two women on the women's side that shot all four rounds in the 60s. It was a shock 
and the winner, Nelly Corda. Everybody else had at least one round in the 70s. So shout out to Aditi Ashok, who finished in fourth place for doing what she did. But let's talk about the men's tournament first, because this was a battle royale between Xander Shoffley, Rory Sabatini, who came out of nowhere, by the way. Rory Sabatini shot a 61 on the final day. We were looking at the Olympic leaderboard. We were looking at all the big names. We saw Xander Shoffley after 54 holes. We saw Shung Pan after 54 holes. He was the bronze medalist. We'll get into him in just a moment. We saw Rory McIlroy, Paul Casey, Hideki Matsuyama, most of the big names. And this was a golf course that it was a birdie fest. Yeah. Just plain and simple. And for a golf course that measured almost 7,500 yards and looked pretty darn tight, these guys really took advantage of a lot of the birdieable scenarios. And Xander Shoffley, we had talked about him in the lead-up to this. He really played the most consistent golf the entire week. He shot a 63 in the second round. He didn't have a round higher than 68 the entire tournament. And to me, that's what made the biggest difference in him literally bringing home the gold. Yeah. I didn't realize his dad was, I think, like an aspiring Olympian back in the day. Um, in that a disc, was, disc shooter or something like that, he right? He was a pathalon, I think. Um, and I don't know if it was injuries um, that derailed him. but Car accident. Drunk driver uh, ran into him and he lost some eyesight. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. I didn't yeah. That. Um, Real tragic. Is Xander's an only child? Or yeah, sure. They kind of looked like it just from a lot of the stories that they were um, highlighting kind of leading up to it. But, I mean, what, what an event. I mean, especially of all people for it to happen. Xander Shoffley, I feel like he's kind of the kind of the under radar superstar, at least on the American side. You know, we hear all about right. um, Bryson, Brooks, Morikawa. And Xander just, you know, kind of silently under the radar. I Do you like. think this is going to open the door for major championships? Because he's been knocking at the door, right? He hasn't won in two years, but now he's an Olympic gold medalist. you think confidence-wise that's going to propel him forward? He is the guy on the American side, in my opinion, Andy, that is the best American golfer at this point that has not won a major. I would say if you had asked me that question two years ago, I would have said Ricky Fowler. But at this point, based on where Fowler's game is at, and when you take a look at all of the Americans that have not won majors, it is clear to me that Shoffley is the best. Because you look at the rest of the American golfers, every American in this field had won a major other than Xander Shoffley. So I look at him as part of the next wave of great American golfers. I would assume that both of you agree with that. Yeah. I'm just looking at it. And it's kind of cool. I'm looking at his world golf ranking page and it's ranked pretty high. Uh, I think for the points that they give for the world golf rankings. So uh, he, you know, he jumped from fifth place to fourth place in the world. He's fourth in the world guys. (laughs) And have you looked at his U S open finishes? He's played in four U S opens. His worst finish was last this year, sixth place. 
Yeah. I mean, think of that. I mean, if you were to pick a golfer just to have the best finish for a major in American, you almost want to pick him because some guys miss the cut, but he's always there. He's always in the top, always in the mix. But dude, you go looking at his page right now. You go back the past. Let's see. I mean, this is 20 tournaments or so. He's, he's got second every major. One missed cut in the PGA Championship this year. I mean, everything else, though, aside from maybe a T39 at the Workday uh, Championship WGC event, everything else is, like, top 25. We've got, you know, literally, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I mean, you've got he's batting 75% top, top 25 finishes here. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, world rankings, Rory Sabatini uh, – Proud member of uh, Slovakia, I believe, uh, went from 204th to 111th. So he jumped up literally 100 spots, and he's now ranked higher than Zach Johnson, Brax Snedeker, and Zach J. Johnson, if you're listening out there, friend of the all show, Colin Yeah, yeah. Uh, higher rank than all that. He went from 200 to 100 from the silver. So they put a lot of points in that event. It's crazy. I mean, but how – I mean, and that I know we were kind of talking about earlier about the format of it and, you know, with only 60 guys – yeah, You've got a lot of big guys. I think actually they mentioned it a little bit more on the broadcast from the women's side is, you know, South Korea, how many strong players are there out of South Korea? And you are only allowed to bring four. I mean, well, so let's talk about format. It's the top 15 are pretty much guaranteed a spot, but you can only have four per team. Yeah. So for the American side on the men's, there's nine guys that are ranked right now in the top 15 and only four of those guys are going to go. So yeah. like Cantley, Spieth, Harris English, Who's, who was the odd man out there on that list that was the highest ranked American that didn't get the invite? Finau or what? It would be, it looks, Johnson? Looks like Cantley. Uh, Dustin passed. He he said no because of the, you know, there wasn't people or something. He didn't like the lack of crowds. Yeah. Um, but Cantley was ranked. It looks like he's ranked ninth. And then Spieth. I don't know if they were asked because uh, it went down to Reed. So they must have asked those guys yeah. when uh, DeChambeau. Well, yeah. Brooks actually is ranked higher than DeChambeau, so he must have passed. Then Spieth must have passed. I think that's a shame. Harris English yeah. was 14th, although I may be looking at the world golf ranking after they set the Olympic field. Yeah, but they you also have they updated pretty quickly. Reed, Webb Simpson, Daniel Berger, Scott Scheffler, and Tony Finau, all part of the world golf Top 20. I just think that's a shame. I mean, this is, and I don't know how golf gets, you know, because it's still kind of a new sport. Every other sport in the Olympics, it's kind of the USA basketball, I think, maybe kind of has a little bit of the same problem. You know, if, if this isn't what these guys are playing for, you know, they're getting paid a lot of money on the NBA side. Golf, probably, you know, they're all focused on winning majors. But like, how do you get the Olympic gold medal to mean that much more to somebody that? It's a must-show if you get invited. Do you think that it would be better if it was a team event like the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup as opposed to an individual event? Because here's the way that I see it. As an individual event at this point, you are not incentivizing people enough because it's just a normal, regular golf tournament. Yeah, the format, the individual stroke play, I don't think is like a radiance catcher there. It's bland. No cut. Yeah. Only 60 guys. I think that you need more players, you need more countries, and you need it to be a team event. So what I would do is very similar. This may be an out-of-the-box idea. I want to know what you guys think of this. We had a couple ideas thrown about during the... Go ahead. I want to hear this. 
I want to do it like the NCAA National Championship in that you have stroke play mm-hmm. for either 54 or 72 holes, and you have as many countries as can enter five-man teams. You play five, you count four every round. Now, it may be a little bit complicated to do the math. So let's say we have a five-guy team. The lowest scores on day one are guys one, two, three, and four. The second day, it scores two, three, four, and five. So you count the four best scores on every day toward your aggregate total. Mm -hmm. And then, once you get that top eight, then you go individual match play, team by team, five guys. Totally. You have to And you can't tie... Because it's five guys, so any match that is tied after 18, you go to extra holes. Unlike the Ryder Cup, you assure that there is going to be a winner in all five matches. That way, you get more people involved, and you get it to a bigger incentive. Because, let's just face it, I think that match play has a bigger incentive than stroke play at times because of the intense competition of the format. Well, especially the course. I mean, leading up to, um, you know, at least it was really interesting on the women's side, you know, because it was super close and the 17th hole was a drivable par four. Um, in the match play format, I guess maybe you don't get all the way there in some matches, but like you're saying, match play is the best form of golf to begin with. Highest pressure uh, situations you get in and, you know, you've got a drivable par four match play, but I don't know. I, I just think yeah, you're going to get more viewership and it's it's better, you know, better golf to watch. You know, if you're away with it. I'm going to ask you a question. What's the name of this show, this podcast? Alternate Shot. That's what we need in the Olympics. We need team alternate shot, okay? One country, two guys. You know, you have, I think you do 32 countries, okay? You each get a team of two, and you just do like an NCAA bracket. And you can do it in three days. Yeah. Round of 32, round of 16, you know, eight, and then you have the final right three days around when we were how cool would that be man like because because alternate shot it's like you have so much riding on you know you don't want to let your partner down now you don't want your country down and your partner down it's match play it's got a little bit of everything and you could do it quick it doesn't have to be drawn out like you you were saying greg i think like ncaa format they award the individual champion after the stroke play portion so you can do your individual portion everyone's still playing their own golf ball fighting for the individual medal and there's still drama there but then your team portion, same thing. Yeah, you you get your teams that qualify for match play, and you go on. I mean, it's what adding two extra days onto the tournament. Yeah, you, you got two weeks to play all this stuff. I mean, track and field yeah. goes on forever. Track and field has a cut. They're called heats. We don't have a cut in the current format. Greg, I really like your NCAA uh, idea, but the amount of countries you would need uh, that might be tricky because with five uh, guys on a team, I think you would still be limited to 30 countries, right? Cause that'd be 150. Which yeah. You don't have that many event. countries that are going to be able to feel that strong of a team probably. But I mean, that's, I like the idea. It's like the Jamaican bobsled team. Like you were saying before, Andrew, you know, we all want a Jamaican bobsled team story. You know, we saw yeah. it, I think in cycling, I know we're getting off the golf here, but like we saw it, I think in the women's cycling or women's running was fantastic. I don't know if you guys watched a whole lot of it early, but you have these no name people coming out of nowhere and win the Olympics. Like, you know, our, our girl from India, or Rory Sabatini, really? He's 48 years old, ranked 200th, and like just goes ham. And by the way, do you guys, okay, do you think in a couple of years this is going to be considered a major because it's every four years? It, it happens once. And if it is, that's a 61. That destroyed, that was the lowest competitive round ever. It makes the best people in the world want to play it. Every other sport in the Olympics, aside from basketball, you've got the best people, players, performers 
in the world competing. So here is the biggest problem, and you guys bring that up, and here is to me what I think the biggest problem is when you mention that it should be a major. The British Open basically ended two weeks beforehand. Yeah. So you're telling me that these guys are want to go from the British Isles, potentially back to the United States, and then to wherever the Olympics is. The biggest problem that I see is that if you are going to treat the Olympic tournament like a major, you are going to have to put it far enough away from any of the other four majors, which would mean that you would have to, at least in theory, we're recording this on August 8th, and the Olympics is about to come to a close. The Olympic tournament ended last week. You would effectively have to have it end today if you wanted enough guys to have enough of a break after the Open Championship. So why not just have the PGA Tour, you know, all the rest of these PGA Tour events, it's all driven by, you know, like the ad dollars and stuff, right? You know, your corporate sponsorship. Just have them push it back a week. That's- yeah, they can move that stuff. Last year, Harding Park was supposed to host the, uh, the major in, in March in 2020. But then COVID happened. The reason they moved it up was because of the Olympic Games. So they can move these things around. Like, yeah. PGA was Glory's last shot forever. And totally. so they can move this stuff around. Make the players want to play in it. And I don't know. You can't change history, right? You know, everyone plays with the majors. And it's the four majors are what they are. I, I think give it time. You know, another, if we can have two more. I know it's going to take eight years, 12 years, 16 years to build up that reputation for making it a very respectable you know, special thing to win, but I don't know. I just want more of it. This was such a great Olympics on the men's side. I mean, this, these scores were fantastic on Sunday, 63s across the board, a 61. I just want more of it. That's, that's my biggest complaint. I mean, give me more golf. World ranking points thing. I and mean, if, if, if people can get more world ranking points out and that's what gets you eligibility into a lot of these WGC events, that's, what's going to get people playing. Um, but then again, these guys that are in the top 15 in the world. They're trying to win majors, and they're trying to win a ten million dollar paycheck in another three weeks from now or a month I, from now. I, I bet you Xander Shoffley is going to have more Wheaties box money uh, with this gold medal than he would get in a major. I just think it's it's he can now he's, he can do McDonald's commercials. You know what I mean? Like he's a national guy. We made it all about the dollar, not about winning. But let's talk about the. <laughs> so here's a comparison point that I want to make here, in terms of the incentive. The U.S. Olympic men's basketball team had Kevin Durant on it. Drew Holiday, after playing in the NBA Finals, after playing in yeah. every round of the NBA playoffs from the Milwaukee Bucks, and then he, he had, still went over and competed in the Olympics, and as did Devin Booker. JaVale McGee. <laughs> so, McGee was there? No way. McGee I mean, was not there. McGee was, was there. there. <laughs> but, but my point being is that the U.S. Olympic men's basketball team, given the playoffs being pushed back, and basically running into the Olympics, these guys were willing to get on a plane and go from winning a championship to them. playing in the Olympics. They felt motivated enough to do that. The dream team did it. You know, they stuck together. The best players in the world. Golfers, come on, step up. Why can't the golfers do it as well? Yeah, I agree. So Sony's have a pep talk with them. A couple of things that I want to bring up as we continue to talk about the Olympics. I want to do this first because where the hell did Rory Sabatini come from? Because this is somebody that hasn't been on our radar 
for at least five years. Yeah, he shows up here and there. <laughs> he is representing Slovakia. Now, Rory Sabatini is South African, but because of his residence in Slovakia, along with his wife's citizenship and nationality, somehow he was able to adopt the Slovakian flag for the Olympics. I don't understand how this worked. So let me let me let me explain this for everyone listening because it's confusing as hell how you qualify for the Olympics. And I tried to figure this out. And the easiest way to boil it down is it's the top thirty countries. Can I qualify so for something like countries if you've never heard of? If if you're the top thirtieth country ranked in the OWGR, you could be ranked a thousandth. You could qualify. So let's say you have a hundred golfers, okay, and ninety nine of them are Americans, and their fiftieth guy is British, and the ninety ninth is say South African. Those are the top three countries. So all the Americans that are ranked past 15, they're off the board. So when you take all the British guys after you get your top two, they're off the board. So Slovakia, because he was ranked 201st, was like the 28th country. Zimbabwe had a guy. He was ranked 328th, but that was the 30th country in a row. You know, if you shout out yeah. Scott Vincent, right? That was his name, Scott Vincent. Was Richard yeah. Bland in this? Where was he, Richard Bland? He, so he wasn't the top two ranked Brits. Brit Britain actually is the number two country in terms of rankings right now. So they're going to actually, yeah, they go two. So it would go uh, Rory and Tyle Hatton right now, um, even though Roy did Ireland. It's the top 30 countries. And that's how Slovakia got in because that country with Rory was Wait, top, part of the 28th country. Top 30 countries of golf rankings? Yes, yes. So it's... Every country can get gets two players, okay, and it's the top ranked countries because this is a global event. So that's why it's kind of messed up. Is like in the top hundred, there's probably eighty Americans. You know what I mean? But it doesn't matter. The only top four count. The rest off the board. They don't even count for Olympic purposes now. Now you're gonna go to the second country, yeah. and then the third. Have you heard of another Slovakian golfer though? No, there's no way. Did they even have a golf course? Yeah, I was gonna say. When did they play golf? What's their golf season? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, they're really good at canoeing, though. They're great canoers. Bring in more countries, like you were saying. Like you know, if we do the team aspect of it, I think maybe that's maybe people will become more educated about how countries qualify like that. I mean, I don't know. Some of these names on the leaderboard, you just you know. I mean, if Brooks is saying that you know it's really easy to win a major because he's only playing against like twenty guys because he does the whole process of elimination of you know these guys choke, these guys aren't even there. You know, same thing for the medal. For the Olympics, I mean, how many people were actually in contention for these medals? Like 20 out of the 60? I mean, so of the Olympic field, and we're going to take into account ties, there were 12 guys that were within four shots of the winning score. All right. And that brings me to another point, and that is how you medal in this format because this is something that, you don't see ever, other than qualifiers for majors like the U.S. Amateur or sectional qualifiers for the U.S. Open. Mm -hmm. There was a seven-way playoff for the bronze medal. That was pretty cool. Because when we think about it, like when we watch a normal golf tournament, if somebody ties for second, ties for third, they split the money up the same way, we don't really think anything of it. We think about what it means for the winner. But in this tournament, after 72 holes, there were 17 guys that were technically tied for third. So they had to go to a seven-guy playoff to determine 
who was the bronze medalist, and it ended up being C.T. Pan from Chinese Taipei, I believe. Correct me on that if I'm wrong. No, that's but he beat out Colin Morikawa, Sebastian Munoz, Rory McIlroy, Paul Casey, Hideka Matsuyama, and shout out to this guy because I've never heard of him, Mito Perea. Dude, you will hear about this guy. This guy is a guy. Is that- He's like the Madison Bumgarner of golf, dude. This guy is a guy. Is that Mito Pereira? Joaquin Neiman flag? Is I that- believe that is. That's, that's two golf. Colombians. That's two Colombians in the top 10. They have 50 golf courses oh. in their entire country. Yeah, Munoz is Colombia. This guy's from, uh, that's Chile, I think. Yeah, that's that's Chile. That's the same where Joaquin Neiman was winning professional golf tournaments at the age of 16. That guy was winning like multiple, like eight a year. I don't know what tour they're on down there. I don't think it's a very... Uh... He is Chilean, by the way. Yeah, Chilean, sorry. Not Colombia, Chile. But they have 50 golf courses. Wrong country, but they have 50 golf courses, guys. And they have two guys in the top 10. There's 106 golf courses in the Bay Area. They have 50 in their country. And they've got two guys. And Greg, Mito Pereira, this guy is a guy. He won three times on the Nationwide Tour, jumped to the PGA Tour, two top sixes, and almost wins a bronze. Golf Channel was hyping this guy up. They said if his stats were on the PGA Tour today, he'd be top three in everything. Driving, putting, uh, distance to hole, greens of regulation. I was like, yeah, whatever, whatever. Let's see it, right? The guy's amazing. To go back, I just realized this, too. I saw something. To go back on how to incentivize more Americans playing, I saw something. Uh, I think one of the female athletes from, I don't know which country, she went viral for basically posting some TikTok video about how much um, athletes from certain countries make uh, for their medals. And the, I mean, it's embarrassing for America how much we actually pay uh, these Olympians. Malaysia, or excuse me, Singapore uh, pays an Olympic gold medalist $737,000. Take a guess what America is. Uh, you go bankrupt because you're an amateur, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, you put you spent all your money, your entire life to train for this, and then maybe you get they're worth six hundred dollars. I know that a gold medal, if you sold it like for medals, seven thousand five hundred. That's how much. So uh, maybe maybe we just incentivize and pay more money as a country that is trying to support. Oh, where's your where's your spirit? Where's your American pride? You brought dollars. Come on. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. Well, so it's different across every sport. I'm going to take two different extremes here. In golf, I feel like we should be grateful for the athletes that are there. We talk about the U.S. Olympic team in basketball. You've got Kevin Durant. You've got Draymond Green, Zach Levine, Drew Holiday, Devin Booker. Other guys I can't think of right now. But you've got NBA stars. In the starting lineup for the United States Olympic baseball team in the gold medal game, there is only one guy that has played in the majors, and that was Todd Frazier. Todd Frazier. Everybody else... It's a triple layer below. So you've got one end where you have everybody in the highest professional league in the United States playing in basketball. And then on the other side, you have one guy that hasn't been signed by a major league team in a year and a half. Actually, I think Todd Frazier may have been with the Pirates earlier this year. But other than him, nobody else in their gold medal game starting lineup had played in major league. There was a guy who was a speed skater. He's he's like the... Eighth athlete ever to win a medal in both the Winter and Summer Olympics. A guy that played for American baseball. He's in the Miami Marlins organization. But it's like, dude, you're a speed skater and an Olympic baseball player? And the starting pitcher for Japan in the gold medal game 
was Masahiro Tanaka, who has been one of the premier starting pitchers in Major League Baseball over the course of the past decade. So you think about the extremes of this. We need more Olympics. So I just think that the incentives shouldn't be that hard. Now, basketball, professional leagues are over. Major League Baseball didn't take a break. Golf elected, because golf can do this, have a secondary tournament, and then take a little bit of a break in order to allow these athletes to compete in the Olympics. So I think that there's a lot that still needs to be ironed out in terms of how you incentivize more guys to play, how you expand the field, and how you make it a much more intriguing tournament to keep people invested for the long term. It was a trip to me when I'm watching the WGC this week. And seeing all these guys that were just over there, right, already back in play. Well, so this Abraham Answer, man, he he was there on Sunday. He shot a seventy. Excuse, sorry to cut you off there, Mike, but Abraham Answer, who won the WGC, he was he should have been gassed. He on Sunday at the Olympics, he was two shots back of a gold, and he uh he shot a what is it here? Uh, yeah, sixty eight. He didn't he didn't he, you know everyone else shooting sixty threes. You know, I just think maybe that's the difference between the men's and the women's game. Like the men, they're playing for so much money that, you know, maybe the Olympics, it's not their biggest priority. With the women's side, I think you had, it was a fantastic tournament. I mean, I don't think we've gone over how, like what an ending that it was. Um, and we had, you know, Lydia Ko right there at the top of the leaderboard. Nellie Quarter right at the top of the leaderboard. Um, you know, we had the Indian player just throwing names out there. The Japanese player. I mean, Mone was, Inami was, was the silver medalist, the Japanese woman. I mean, first they were worried about, you know, Lexi's caddy had to, you know, go off the bag there, you know, because he couldn't hack it for, you know, what, only 15 holes. We were thinking about maybe buying a flight to Japan for that, uh, you know, that brief couple hours. And, you know, <laughs> I was texting Scott Thompson, her dad, and maybe he was like, hey, if you need a guy, dude, like, you know. You know, I take I take steams with my clothes on, so let me know when she needs me. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was a fact that actually did happen. I got denied, but uh, <laughs> shoot your shot, bro. Shoot your shot. How <laughs> shoot your shot, dude? Shooters gonna shoot. Uh, but no, I mean it was an incredible tournament. You know, I know they were worried about rain for most of it, and you know they were thinking about you know, having to maybe shorten it to only 54 holes. And the final round was awesome. I mean, you had Nelly Corder. I think she had, what, a four-stroke lead going into Sunday. Within the first six holes, it was a tied event. Three players tied at the top of the leaderboard. Um, you know, I think Lydia made a couple bogeys, kind of dropped like five strokes back. Four holes later, she's right back in it. I mean, like you were saying, it was a birdie fest out there. So, I mean, these, these players were going at it. And then all of a sudden, you get to the 17th hole, uh, the last group gets called up on the drivable par four. And I think Lydia sticks one to like 20 feet. Nelly is, I want to say, a little to the right, maybe long and right. Um, and the Indian gal, uh, Ina, or, um, Ashoka, um, she's short and right. She, I think, only made a par. But then they blow the horn. Of all things, you're just like going to be the most epic ending ever. And they blow the horn, and we're all sitting there worried that it's going to be canceled. It's going to go back to 54 holes. So, I mean, I was sitting there, like, this is going to be the best thing for women's golf. And I was just hoping that people were staying tuned. Because I set my timer for a half hour. Rich Lerner was saying, like, hey, we're going to reassess it 30 minutes. And so I set my timer in my house. I was like, okay, like, I'm checking back in 30 minutes. And they they got going again, thank God. Um, but that was 
unbelievable. You had the top players in the world. They were all there. I mean, the women's side, it seemed like all the top players were there. Men, maybe not so much, but tournament. No, I, I love it. I mean, I guess that's the takeaway, and I think we may be all, all in agreement on this, is that we just want more golf, right? We want more Olympic golf. Yeah. Uh, and, and th- you know, Justin Rose was a defending gold medalist. Um, he's ranked, he, he could, he didn't have a chance to defend, man. He's ranked 47th in the world because of current format, you know, how it works. He didn't even get a chance to play, man. He was how defending. About, I mean, you know, every other sport has qualifying to get into the Olympics. Why doesn't golf have qualifying tournaments to get into the Olympics? Like certain tournaments are maybe maybe some of these off-season tournaments that don't get the best fields. You're already forcing PJ Tour players to play in one new tournament every three years. You know, maybe you make those ones that aren't going to draw big crowds, like an Olympic qualifying tournament that's worth Olympic, you know, points. I think you got to ditch the W uh, the World Golf Rankings and just you know, come up with something different. I think you, as long as you show deference to that, um, yeah. I think it's going to be challenging to get all the countries involved because not every country has guys ranked in the OWGR who could play competitively in a match play event. I think that there's going to be a lot of formulation over the course of the next few years prior to the 2024 Olympics. And by the way, shout out to, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Kasumi Gaseki Country Club, which hosted both the men's and the women's tournament. I don't know what the course was in Rio, but I know it's no longer there, and it was built specifically no, for the Olympics. It's still there. It's actually doing okay. That's a guild hands design. But this golf course held up really well, yes. and I feel like it provided a great backdrop for the Olympics. So before we take a break and go into our out-of-bounds segment, Los Angeles is going to be the next American country to host the Summer Olympics in 2028. So my question to you guys is, what golf course in the L.A. area should be the host course for the 2028 Olympics? And so let me throw out a couple of golf courses for you. You obviously have Riviera, which hosts the L.A. Open and whatever sponsorship iteration it has every year. It's one of the more legendary West Coast golf courses. You've got L.A. Country Club, which is an absolutely exclusive legendary design that will be hosting its first major championship in the year 2023. You also have courses like Bel Air that are in Westwood, really famous golf course there. And you've got Tiger's course, Sherwood Oaks, that's a little bit further north. That place but, is kind of rinky-dink. <laughs> but it does host the Target World Challenge or whatever they called it in the past. Where would you guys host the Olympic tournament? I personally would do it at LACC because they're going to continue to play the LA Open at Riviera. You see that course every year. You barely see LA Country Club. Everybody talks about how amazing it is. We'll finally get to see its spectacle for the 2023 U.S. Open. I feel like that's going to be the place they will end up hosting the Olympic tournament in 2028. Am I wrong or am I right here? You're right, be close. You know, I, I don't forget about Tori. I mean, Tori, I know it's just down the road about an hour uh, from Los Angeles, but I, I know when the Olympics were maybe going to come to um, to Los Angeles as like a, a gap filler. I remember there was like uh, something going on, like they didn't we weren't sure where it was going to go. They're considering Harding with an LA Olympics, so yeah, I could maybe see something even. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be anywhere in LA. Um, I don't think LA Country Club is going to have their membership. You know, it took a lot probably just to get the U.S. Open there. They've been off the radar for God knows how many years. 
Um, I think there's got to be some politicking going into that. I don't think they, I don't see them, a club like that, opening themselves up to the Olympics. And if it's a global game, it's something that they want to make for the masses. I think you've got to have it at something like a Tory. Greg, you said LA Country Club's hosting the U.S. Open? Yes, in 2023. Oh, wow. That's right around the corner. Yep. But that's their, and that's their first U.S. Open in something like 80 years or something like that. So, I mean, they, they are slowly getting themselves back into the public eye. Um, especially, don't they host the World Junior Golf Championships at Torrey Pines every year? I mean... Torrey, yeah, Torrey, you know, it gets a lot of play. I think Riviera would be the most natural fit, though, down there, just because they have had events every year, and it wouldn't be a birdie fest, which would be kind of interesting. It's a kind of a, you know, what wins every year? Like four or five under, you know? At Riv? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean... It's always interesting. Like, I feel like that grass is, I don't know. That, that, I think that it would take a lot of people out of it, right? It's bombers course. Different. I think the Olympics always highlights something that you don't see often. And I don't know. Maybe, I guess we see a lot of Tory. So there goes that argument. But I And it's know. not I think, LA. I think, I, I'm looking it up right now. So the golf club that hosted the Olympics this year, Hasumi Gaseki, is only. And it's weird because it says it's 30 miles, but maybe the roads are a little bit weird. It's an hour drive outside of downtown Tokyo. Now, that may be with traffic right now as I'm going on Apple Maps, but that's not far. Yeah, That's a lot closer to downtown Tokyo than Tori would be to downtown Los Angeles. So I don't think they're going to San Diego. It's not the San Diego Olympics. Maybe we it's create the LA Olympics. Maybe we create a poll. Maybe we're the starting. Let's start the poll right now. Uh, yeah. Out there. Let's start a poll. Let's start campaigns for which course is going to start. What year is the Olympics in LA? 2028. Okay. Um, that's not that far. Don't even build a new golf course down there. No, don't. I think they learned a thing about Rio's. Don't build it. I mean, that was different because it was in Brazil. But like, don't build. Yeah, they don't, they don't need to build a new golf course. LA has already got enough golf courses. Now, 2024 Olympics are going to be in Paris. So, I don't know anything about French golf really. But you've got the Evian Masters there every year. Great women's tournament. One of the women's majors. So. You'll have an opportunity to see a new golf course over there potentially, and there's a lot of European tour events that well, do happen in France. And as depending well. on format, like we're saying, if the format changes, you know, maybe they choose a course that's you know more of a match play style course. We just need some fireworks, but yeah, I don't know. That's a good. You pose a very good question there, Greg. Yeah, I'm 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 scratching my head right now. I don't, I, don't, I wonder where it's going to be. No. I'm surprised they haven't announced it yet. Because then you can get a lot of, you know, I mean, the second you know they're going to make the announcement, right? Because that's like huge press for the the golf course, right? When did we find out about this golf course? I can't even say that I remembered hearing an announcement. I, I you know, I don't know. <laughs> that's a good point. I think there was a thing COVID maybe going on. <laughs> maybe yeah. Hear about that, but no, I'm sure it was announced prior to COVID. Hey, can I mention something that's kind of, it's Olympic related, but poor Paul Casey, man. Is he always going to be a bridesmaid? I mean, I feel so bad for the guy. He's always right there. And like, he's in the, the playoff for the bronze. You know, he's, he's knocked out. Corey so Collins was in the playoff too, wasn't he? Yeah, and he went down to the bitter end and plugged on uh, 18 on his approach and didn't make par. It was I was just... asleep during the playoff. I tried to stay up watching it, but I think it was going too late for me. So we talked, we said at the beginning of the show that, Xander Shoffley is the best American golfer at this point that has not won a major. Can we definitively say 
that the best golfer in the world to not have won a major at this point is Paul Casey? Because I think that that's a legitimate hill to stand on at this point. Yeah, I think so. If you look at the breadth of his career, I mean, it's not a short career. He's in his late forties. He's been he's been around for twenty years. Um, you can argue him or potentially his countryman in Lee Westwood. I mean, West- still competing. Ooh. I feel like Westwood. He he wore that title for a while. Uh, he won the Order of Merit at forty seven this year. <laughs> it's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's still what the hell? conversation. I know we talked about. Uh, you know, he he tied the record for most. Uh, uh, what was it? Most major starts with our guy. It was not Calcavecchio. It was uh, now I can't even remember who was it that we proved him wrong. Um, oh, Haas. No. You're right. It was Haas. Jay Haas. Um, so I think we got to pass the torch there from Lee. I think he's worn that <laughs> for a little too long. So Paul Casey, I don't know. Sorry, buddy. I wonder who has more top tens in majors, though. I bet you it's I bet you it's Lee, but I bet you it's not by much. We've gone off the rails a little bit here. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. We are going to talk about the World Golf Championships FedEx St. Jude Invitational. What a fantastic tournament it was. And our boy Bryson in the news once again. I want to talk to you guys Uh about the etiquette of yelling four. We'll Uh do that right after this here on the Alternate Shot Golf Podcast, part of the San Francisco Golf Collective. Welcome back to the Alternate Shot Golf Podcast here from the SF Golf Collective. Greg Maraz, Andrew Smothers, Mike Finn with you. We talked about the Olympics to a great extent, but there was a golf tournament that finished up on Sunday that may be one of the best non-major events of the entire year, the World Golf Championships FedEx St. Jude Invitational a tournament that in its long-time existence had not been a WGC event, but this year it was. It featured a three-man playoff between Hideki Matsuyama, Abraham Anser, and Sam Burns, and also featured two leaders in Harris English and Bryson DeChambeau that were 20 and 18 under going into the back nine, English finished at 15-under. DeChambeau finished at 12-under. The winning score was 18-under going into the playoff, and it was won by Abraham Anser. So let's take it to the playoff first. It went two holes. Hideki Matsuyama had about a 30-foot putt, birdie putt, to win the tournament. He lipped it out. Answer and Burns made par, so they go back to the 18th hole. Burns and Answer put it down the middle of the fairway. Matsuyama pushes it right. All three of them hit the green. Answer stuffs one to about five feet. And then Burns puts one about a foot inside of him. Answer makes a slider coming down the hill. Almost the same line as what Burns would have been on. And then Burns ends up lipping his out. Answer wins the tournament. I thought that that was one of the more intriguing playoffs that we've seen this year because you can't play necessarily match play when you're in a three-guy playoff. 
you have to evaluate both of your opponents. And in this situation, Abraham Answer got very lucky that Sam Burns did not extend the playoff. See, I, 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 I love this playoff. It was great. I remember watching, I, I mean, I watched it today. It's like I recall a million years ago. But when Answer hit that shot, I was like, I know he's going to make that putt because he had the look. He hasn't won on tour. This was a big moment for him. And all of a sudden, the pressure's on Burns, right? He's, it's like a match play situation. It looked like he cut that putt. I would, I bet you if you asked Burns, he wouldn't say he hit that putt pure that he missed that four footer. It looked like he cut it a little bit and that could be a little nervy. Um, and I think that's cause you know, you have to make it. It's a match play situation. It was really exciting. Um, very happy for answer. I mean, it's a huge win to get your first win in a WGC. And he's been close a lot, right? I just think that the way that the tournament unfolded, Matsuyama has been so steady the entire year. He's been one of the top players in the world in the last five years. And to see him push his tee shot after almost making the tournament-winning birdie putt, he almost felt like, in that situation, like, I should have had the tournament won. I didn't have it won. Now what do I do? I have to go back and play these two guys again on the same hole. That is tough mentally to yeah. deal with. Plus, you know, I think he's gassed with the Olympics too. I mean, that was, he was in that playoff as well. The only thing I was missing uh, during all of this, this is my, uh, you know, gratuitous caddy segment. Uh, so Dale Vallely, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, that sounds like a really good bar. I want to go to the Dale Vallely. Dale, Dale, Dale Valley. I, I want to go to the Dale Valley too. So he was, I think, Abraham's uh, Abraham answers regular caddy since like 2016, and I think recently got sidelined because of a visa issue. Um, he's from Canada. Looks like maybe he lives in Mexico now. This guy's a great um, Instagram follow. You guys need to go follow the Dale Trail right now. Um, Dale Trail. The Dale Trail. He gives hot dog and cigarette reviews. <laughs> oh my god this is the best caddy ever this is what i'm saying it's one snap everyone knows the rules you know sorry uh, Portnoy. is this both hot dog and cigarette or are they separate reviews i believe he does separate ones the hot okay. dogs are the more popular reviews from the guest um you know the, the guest reviews that get sent in by him he does post them but uh, the Dale Trail, solid follow. Go follow him. He he was, you know, a big supporter of Abraham Answer. I think he was actually on the bag for Answer in Japan, um, but he's still not there. When I saw the picture of the winning caddy, I was like, wait, no, that's not the Dale Trail. What's going on here? Um, so there's some – it's a very unique uh, relationship going on there, but this guy's the man. Um, he looks like he's got a pretty decent, scrappy little golf swing too. He can get it around. Um, but, yeah, he's fantastic, so – Get, is get this live forever golf? I'm, I'm on Instagram right now. The Dale What's his handle? Uh, the, the Dale Trail. The Dale Trail. Oh. Like Dale okay. Dale Earnhardt. D A L E. Okay. The Dale. Okay, I'm um, on it. Yeah, so it's he's he's based in Mexico, Canadian born, PJ Tour caddy, pork missile creator. Oh Africa. my god, this is fire! Yeah, this guy's the man. So um, he's got Legos with hot dogs too. I mean, he's like dedicated. I'm telling you, this guy is. You guys are making me hungry right now. He's a dude, look at his look at he's got hats, dude. He's got a hat with a cigarette yeah, and a hot dog making an X, and it says "Dogs and Darts." He's, he's our kind of guy. <laughs> oh my he's god, dude. Kind of guy. So Ugh. maybe one day we can get him Instant on there. Um, but 
Yeah, that, w- that was my disappointing moment of the day when I saw the Abraham Answer one and the Dale Trail was not on the back. I got, got head covers, too. Boys. I got, I got pork missiles. <laughs> I need this pork cover, dude. A pork missile. <laughs> oh, my God. I got to tell you, fellas, as much as we could expand on the Dale Trail, rearing his ugly head again, I feel like we've talked about him in some form Uh-oh. on every podcast. Please don't. Is the man from Clovis, known as Bryson DeChambeau, who... What do you do this time? He's made controversy in two different ways this time. (laughs) The first being that he got called out by two different tour pros. Our boy Richard Bland, shout out, official friend of the show. And Eduardo Molinari for not yelling for... After he blasted one into the gallery on either Thursday or Friday of the WGC, I'm just go ahead and say Eduardo Molinari. What he like? He's in contention for the British for the first time in like six years, and now he's just throwing shots. <laughs> I mean, is right. Bryce the most tweeted about guy on tour? I mean, for better or for worse, right? I mean, hey, you just kind of trying to get those clicks, right? Any press is good press. Whatever gets you that yeah million dollar pot. <laughs> yeah, just hit people on the stands. Who cares? Get like clickbait. But then, he's in the final group today with Harris English. They enter, as we mentioned a little bit earlier in the show. English was at 20 under. DeShambo was at 18 under, making the turn. They get put on the clock because DeShambo had a long ruling issue on a ball that was either half in or half out of bounds. We've seen Bryson have rulings issues before. If you guys remember the memorial last year when he was famously caught on camera cursing out away from his back a rules official after he'd hit a ball out of bounds. Is that the other one against the fence there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he gets put on the clock. He plays slow already. Harris English gets out of his groove, and both of them completely tank. They combine, as Andrew said to us offline, to shoot 81 on the back nine. I mean, Harris English is already on a handicap being paired with Bryson, right? I mean, you're just like, you walk in Kiss of death. <laughs> you're like, God damn it. Dude, if you play with uh, Bryson, you're screwed, dude. In the British Open, I bet on Brandon Grace, who has the record 62 lowest score ever in a major. He didn't even make the cut in the British, okay? Like, kiss of death you're with Bryson, dude. I don't think, right? There's not much, you know, high five and fist pumping going on between the two of you when you're both playing good golf. Well, I'll, I'll tell you guys this. I played with Bryson in two events, Northern California events, in high school. And he was that way back then. I mean, it was the Bryson show. It was the me, me, me show. Yeah, we don't need to harp on too much. I mean, like, let's just, he's not even worth our time. <laughs> but he's, but it's I feel worth- bad for Harris. <laughs> I do too, man. Poor guy. He's about, if Harris won that event, he's going to be player of the year potentially. He'd be his third win. He'd be number one, right? Player of the year is a big deal. And then you get paired with Bryson. Like, dude, yeah. you're screwed, man. I'm Harris, sorry. Guy, he's, he's been around for a while. He hasn't really shown up. Has he, I don't know. If but this is his year. This is his year. He's won twice. played on a Ryder Cup team before. Before, no, but but he's he's coming into his own. This was like a big moment, big spot for him, dude. And to get paired with Bryson, Georgia, right? But he's about the same age as Harmon, or maybe a little bit. He's younger. a lot younger than Harmon. Thirty-two, I guess. Yeah, I like back in like oh three, 
04. So, I mean, they're both George Bulldogs. You know, they come out of that same, you know, they're fired. It's 32, right on the number. There we go, yeah. 32. Don't Harris forget is- other – there's um, Russell Knox and Russell – Russell Knox I don't think is a Bulldog, but Russell no, Henley, Henley is yeah, a Bulldog. Yeah. Yep. Same with Kisner. Uh, Harris English, by the way, has eight total wins. He's got he's four been- PGA Tour wins, one Corn Ferry win, three – other. How long has he been wins. on tour for? Like seven years now, right? More than yeah. that. He but they're eight, eight years apart. So he won in 2013, and then this year he won twice. Yeah, so it's been a minute. Off from, uh, what's her name? Um, what should we call him? What did I say? He's he's pretty close to 32. Harmon, isn't Aren't they close yeah. to the same age? Yeah, Harmon's got to be around the same age, yeah. Yeah. By the same. way, Harris English has won team. the FedEx St. Jude before. But before it was a WGC event. Uh, maybe that's we, right. That's right. There's English, a friend of the show. Now let's we're rooting for him now. You know, if you get jobbed like that, Brian <laughs> Harmon turned pro in 2009. So two years. Yeah. Okay. Come on. You're making it sound like it was an eight year difference. <laughs> you probably play on the same golf team. though. You put a little <laughs> Southern accent on there, yeah, by the know, way. That's what I do. How good is that golf team? By the way, I mean, everyone plays on tour. I'm pretty sure it's like Georgia tech, Georgia, USC, UCLA, Texas. By the way, yeah, Texas. Cal, Cal's been good. Cal's got a couple guys now. If you've never Go read Bears. the story, and I'd have to dig it up on ESPN.com, you have to read the story of how the Georgia golf team literally went up to the Augusta State golf team minus Patrick Reed and said, We want him to completely tank today and we hope that you guys can no it was the other way around the Augusta State team yeah no because because he was on the Georgia team and he got booted because he was stealing his teammates stuff well yeah he wasn't what yeah no so his when he went to Georgia State or no Georgia Augusta State uh after that Georgia incident I mean I don't want to harp on bad things this is this is all the stuff we don't really know what went down but I do you know I read Look the at the article. You'll see exactly what went no, down. Are you, telling, are you telling me Patrick Reed kind of has a Cam Newton? Five, the article went yes. When he went to Augusta okay. State, the coach was the one that wanted him, and he left it up to Augusta State's team to vote on it. And they did one vote, and all the players said no. And then the coach <laughs> kind of something out of Happy Gilmore with the whole, like, hey, let's kick Happy off the tour. And he's like, well, seeing as the ratings are the best they've ever been, and it was the same thing with Reed. It was like, well, seeing as he's really good. And then they invite him on the team that went back-to-back national championships. It's kind of one of those things. Like, eh, you know. <laughs> That's Barry Bonds. You know that happened to Barry Bonds, right, when he was in the College World Series? Like, they did a vote. They're like, all right, who wants him on the team? And, like, the whole team, like, voted him out. And then, like, the coach was like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to your vote. We're actually keeping it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Barry Bonds. Bruh. That's going to do it here on the Alternate Shot Golf Podcast. We're going to venture into the next couple weeks. we got the FedEx Cup playoffs coming up. We've got the Ryder Cup to talk about. Ooh. I want to, before we go, Mike, I want you to talk a little bit about the U.S. Women's Amateur because I know your your buddy, Megagane, was in it. She didn't make the match play, but it was an exciting tournament that – had a 63 seed end up winning it all, which when you think about what it takes to, from stroke play in terms of how it's seeded, because it's 64 players that qualify, 
you have to, a lot of times, for the bottom, like, two or three seeds, get into a playoff after stroke play in order to get into the match play. Yeah. Not only do that and then end up winning the tournament, it that's was, something spectacular. Yeah, no, I mean, Mega was right there. Um, I was going to give I mean, huge credit and shout-out to her. I mean, she didn't have a great first round. I think she shot 79. She battled. Uh, the second round, and you know, I was getting some texts from our buddies. You know, they were following along, rooting for her. And, um, you know, I think 17th hole is 420 yard par four. I think she bogeyed to miss the playoff by one. Um, but she'll be back. She'll be around. This is just the beginning. Um, but the winner, uh, Jensen Castle out of Kentucky. Um, she have you played with her, Mike? Have you ever? We played in the uh, little Monday Cliffs Course shootout. Um, you know, she she gave me some credit for my tee shot on seven. You know, she's like, "Oh, you played here before?" Yeah, a couple. All right, but uh, no, she she was a stand up gal. Um, she got through the playoff, which was uh, twelve for two spots. Um, which I mean, twelve people for two spots. So, I mean, even. I don't know. That, that's Kentucky, Kentucky University, Kentucky. Didn't both of them get the spot or something like that? Or they're um, a lot of I she had a teammate, her, her teammate who had actually caddied for her at the Women's Open out here. Uh, I think was also playing this week. Um, but as a sixty-three seed, I mean that's the thing with the amateur stuff. Get in a match play, whole new ball game. Don't matter yeah. what seed you are. Rose Zhang, I think she went down in the quarterfinals, um, defending champion. No, no, she lost in the first round. Was it first round? It was. It was a hell of a match. I, I watched the first uh, the first day, and she fought real hard. She made some really good putts. She just got beat. You know, yeah. she didn't have her A game, but yeah, it was a hell of a match. Champion. It's match play, dude. Anything can happen in match play. So, um, I just you know, it was at Westchester Country Club. It was a home game for Mega. She, I, I was hoping. I was like, oh man, she's gonna be close to home. She's got support. Let's do this. Um, but no, she'll be back. She's got many more years to come. Jensen Katzel, uh, good job. Way to be, baby. Um, Super that was her wild. sixth USGA event, by the way, they were saying. That's a lot. Yeah. She's playing six USGA events, like, at that age? I mean, wow. Totally. So, um, we yeah. have the US Amateur coming up soon, don't we? Next week. Let's go. Noah Norton. This is round two. Actually, it begins. Stroke play qualifying tomorrow. begins tomorrow. Yep. Noah Norton. Oakmont. Let's go. Noah Norton. A couple of guys from UC Davis made it out of El Macero. I think so. This, we got some local guys. I think this might be Noah's last turn before he turns pro. So I'm pulling hard for him. Out of a great tournament, he's my guy. Um, I don't know who else we got playing in there that we might have ties to, but I know I've said this before, but the U.S. Amateur is the best tournament to watch on TV. Man, it's just the it's like hours and hours of golf, and it's yeah, all match gonna, play. We're going to be needing to do a recap of this tournament next week. So the u.s amateur to me is one of the purest golf tournaments that there is absolutely and i have to say like getting a caddy in it in 2007 it just gave me a greater appreciation for how difficult it is to get into the tournament and how far everybody comes in order to qualify and then play in that tournament just to be a small part of it yeah the guy i caddied for ended up losing to future tour pro and runner-up in the USAM, Michael Thompson, who then became runner-up in the U.S. Open in 2012. It's funny how guys that play one golf course well. And- hey, horses for courses. I, I'd bet on Thompson to get a top five in the U.S. Open, and at 500 to one, that became 125 to one. So second place, you know, horses for courses. Let's go. It just it creates such good stories. I mean, you 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 
you hear about these people and you're Johnny Vegas. Your name going forward. It's so much. It's so much fun. Um, what best tournament? Are Jimmy Castles, who I believe is from the East Bay, is in the tournament as well. So I knew his older brother Johnny, okay. but Jimmy Castles in the field. Noah Norton, as you guys said, is in the field. If you, be playing at if you know anyone who's ever just qualified for U.S. Amateur, like they're an incredible golfer. Like even if they don't make the match play, they, but if you play with them years later, like they know how to play golf. It's they're pros. The one year I attempted to qualify for the U.S. Amateur, and last year's time I attempted to qualify for the U.S. Amateur, I was paired with Eric Mina at Peninsula Country Club, who was the current Pac-12 champion, and Corey McElyay, who qualified for the U.S. Open the following year. Uh, they both qualified, I think, shooting rounds of 66 and 67 uh, each. Wow. I believe I was scraping my way to a pair of 74s and quickly realized these guys are way better than me. Eddie Lyle is almost out to watch, though. I mean, that's a real high-level golf. You've got a front row. There we go, Eddie. Let's go, Eddie. So, Eddie Lyle will be playing it. All right. How did I miss that? Let's go, Eddie. All right, Eddie and Noah. Those are our guys. Sorry. There's also a Summer Haze in there, Uh, Preston Summer Haze. Isn't there a guy that's on the tour that has a Daniel Summer Haze, and there's actually a Summer Haze in the women's amateur as well. Well, And I think Daniel... Was uh was on the bag. Yeah, the Samuel Hayes is like they're a big golf family. Yeah. So that's gonna do it finally here on the Alternate Shot Golf Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Go and check out some of our past episodes. I hope that you like what you hear. And as always, make sure you subscribe, leave a rating, also write a review. Give us five stars on the rating. Write a review. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know where you'd like us to take the show. You can also email the show for, F-O-R-E, at altshotpod.com. You can also check out our website at altshotpod.com. For Andrew Smothers and Mike Finn, this is Greg Mraz saying, hit them straight, play fair, and as always, tip your waitresses.